Hey guys, this is Rico. And this is Jess. And we're the hosts of the Always the Critic podcast, and we're here to announce something that has been in the works for some time. We started a Patreon. Yay! (laughs) Super exciting. So we've been podcasting for quite some time, since 2018. And first off, we want to thank each and every person who has listened to our show over the years. The Patreon is a way for you guys to get involved and show your support. If you're a fan, please, please consider becoming a patron. With the Patreon, our goal is to keep expanding and improving the quality and quantity of the content. Your donations are invaluable to us, and luckily, your pledge means you'll also get access to exclusive content and more. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. Thanks again for listening and being part of our movie adventure. I'm Rico. And I'm Jess. And without further ado, here's our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple friends review the latest movies except... We literally have zero qualifications to do so. If this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Come say hi on social media. You can stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysCriticPod. And if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. Rico. Yes. How you been? I've been good. Uh, It was a nice weekend. Um, We... It's actually funny because the weekend kind of started on Thursday night for us. Yes. In a way that we used to start our weekends almost every weekend. (laughs) And it's because there was a new movie in theaters and we watched it. We did. We ba- we, we did. interrupt your regularly scheduled programming for an actual new movie review. Yes. Uh, we are actually in the middle of our Love of the Game miniseries to celebrate the return of sports. And we just had to get in this new review. It's a new movie. What is life? Um and also, stay tuned because later in the week, we're going to be reviewing Tenet as well. So this week right. is packed. It is packed. Now, really quick, we just want to put out a quick disclaimer. Uh, we, we as a podcast duo, we felt comfortable returning to theaters, of course, obeying all sef- uh, safety protocols in place, uh, you know, face masks, social distancing and everything that involves that. Uh, If you don't feel comfortable heading back to theaters, there's no worries with us in terms of listening to our show. Just, you know, listen up to the spoiler bumper. And whenever you do end up watching the movie, come back and listen to our spoiler discussion. So, you know, there is no basically there's no uh, need for you to rush out. If you don't feel comfortable to watch the movie, you can always watch it at your own pace. Come back and listen to our thoughts on it. Yeah. So, what is the movie we're reviewing today? We haven't even said that. Burr, 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 burr. Okay, well, it's The New Mutants. The IMDb synopsis is as follows. Five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. It's directed by Josh Boone, who also directed The Fault in Our Stars, and it was also written by Josh Boone and Nate Lee. So in this movie, we have some younger actors and actresses that we've seen in other things. So Mm -hmm. this movie stars Macy Williams. You'll know her from Game of Thrones. You have Anya Taylor-Joy from Emma the Witch, or the Witch, (laughs) the way how you pronounce it, Glass and Split. Uh, you have Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things. You have Blue Hunt from the TV show The Originals. And Henry Zaga from 13 Reasons Why. Oh, and plus Alice Braga, who is a Brazilian actress from I Am Legend. So those yeah. are our main characters here in this movie. Now, this movie was not very well received. No, 
And no, it has a 31% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience score is 53%. Um, the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes reads, rendering a list of potentially explosive ingredients mostly inert, The New Mutants is a franchise spinoff that's less than the sum of its superpowered. Now, <laughs> the movie itself over the weekend had a worldwide box office haul of $9.9 million at the time of this recording, which was Sunday night. Now, in the world that we're living in, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Yeah. I can't tell. I can tell you that the first day it came out, it made like $3 million. The next day, it $2 million, And then the day after that third day was a million. Right. So there is a drop-off. I don't know if that's just because of the movie that it is or it's very you know the environment people aren't going out to see movies and you know once the appeal of seeing a brand new movie wears off like there will be drop off so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. that happens with any movie like it's always front loaded yeah um where friday night is its big night and then saturday it drops and then sunday it drops so yeah that that'll happen Plus, on top of that, it doesn't help that the reviews for the movie weren't released until the day of or the day before release. Right. So kind of like hiding behind, you know, the curiosity factor of mm-hmm. people. Now, let's so go ahead. So this movie had, let's talk about like how did it finally come how to theaters. How did it finally get here? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a movie for those people who don't know has been living in development hell for a couple of years now. Uh, this is a movie that was finished pretty much like in 2017, I believe. Oof. It was like filmed in 2016, finished in 2017, and has gone through reshoots, rewrites, and has kind of been just sitting every once in a while. They'll announce, oh, the New Mutants has been <laughs> scheduled for this date, and then it gets pushed off of that date completely again. Right. Right. So finally, what happened was Disney acquired Fox uh, just recently, right? And so this movie was part of the package. And so Disney is finishing off Fox's slate. Now, a lot of the movies that they're releasing into theaters have contractual obligations to be shown in theaters. Right. The New Mutants is one of them, which is why this movie... You may ask why wasn't it put on a streaming service like VOD, premium VOD type right. of thing. And it's because it has a guaranteed theatrical run. Same thing with a few other Fox properties that are coming down the pike that still haven't been released yet. So this movie was guaranteed theater slots pretty much. Right. So what does Disney do in the middle of the <laughs> worst time period to release a movie? They just dump it into this time period to just, hey, we're giving you the the theatrical space you we guaranteed. Right. Even if it's at the worst, most inopportune time, like <laughs> to actually do it. But uh, they did it. Uh, now, was it worth it? This entire wait? Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jessica's I reaction. I say, <laughs> uh, no. Well, no. the thing is. No, um, I think a lot of people were expecting a hard R on this as well. Um, and it came out as PG-13 and it seems like after watching the movie, they probably should have gone for the hard R. Yes. Um, yeah, this movie. Because at this point, like, you know, it had a lot of, um, build and it was trying to go for that horror and then it never kind of reached that that at all no it never <laughs> like the got promise it. of of you know the build and the cinematography and um it borrowed a lot of elements from the horror genre and then it never quite scared anybody it was like it just no. just the ending was kind of a fizzle so that's why i say was it worth it maybe not was it interesting absolutely at the end of the day i think we walked out of the theater going this was weird <laughs> this was a weird weird is the nice way 
movie. Yeah, weird is the nice way of saying that this movie, I think it is inert. Like, it tries different things. Like, he wants to either have a message about, you know, isolation or a group of people in isolation. It wants to be a horror movie wants to be a superhero movie at this all at the same time Mm -hmm. and none of them come through fruition is the problem none of their ideas that they engage with actually are worth yeah they don't stick the landing on any Mm -hmm. of them and the problem is like there's there's kernels of yeah like you know this is a good idea here's a a good one yes and it just like doesn't really captivate you to really invest that much mm-hmm. also on top of that it doesn't help that you know that this movie is it's not, dead on arrival yeah it's dead on arrival because there's not going to be any sequels there's not going to be anything that ties in the future to these characters at all right because disney now owns <laughs> well they, they got back the mutants yeah from fox so they are going to start over for sure. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. So all these characters that we're seeing in this movie, basically all the actors in this movie, there's one no and done. point. One and done. There's nothing to really be attached to because you know they're not going to be showing up later on in the future. So, yeah. So it, it's <laughs> it, it kind of sucks in a way because you think that there could be something there. But at yeah. the same time, it's just... Not that captivating. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not as captivating as yeah. you want it to be. Uh, what did you think of the performances themselves from from the quintet? Well, I had no problem with the performances. I think the one that really shook me up and I was like, I don't know about this, was Anya Taylor-Joy's um, magic Mm, yeah, you know her because she had this weird accent. It was and supposed to be Russian, I think. It was supposed to be Russian, and it was a mix of like something. Like it wasn't consistent. Sure. No, it wasn't consistent throughout. Because of that, it like drew more attention to itself. <laughs> and so every time she spoke, I was like is this like a parody of a Russian (laughs) like accent? So, and then on top of that, like her character had this like element to her that was really distracting and weird. And I don't know the character that well from the comics to be like taking it seriously or not. So yeah, it was, that was the only performance that I was questioning. Everyone else I was like, Wow, they're really good. I was really impressed with Charlie Heaton. Um, he had kind of like a, a really kind of tortured character. Um, I felt like more than the rest, everyone was tortured, but I feel like he displayed it the best and his accent was really good. It was just like deep southern <laughs> accent. Basically, that's what his yeah, his accent was just the deep um, southern. But it really he really seemed to work with it. And, um, yeah, what did you think of the performances? Um, I think that the, the movie basically centers around uh, our main character is or Daniel Moonstar. Yeah, Daniel Moonstar. Mirage. Yeah. So the movie centers around her because she is the audience surrogate. She is the one learning about the world. She is the one that the audience is using. To mm-hmm. navigate this world, uh, the character itself—it was she's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with her, but at this, but there's nothing that really nothing to latch onto. Latch onto, like, and I think that you know Blue Hunt, who played Mirage, she is a relative newcomer. Like I think this is her first movie, mm. so that's fine. It felt like very amateurish, like her entire like persona on screen was not it was you know nothing to write home about it was fine like so that's the thing about getting young actors is that you run into the problem where you don't know if they have the true acting ability to be able to carry out what you're trying to do so with a movie like this they probably spent 
the majority of their budget, which is probably a smaller budget since they were going with a smaller scale movie, they spent it mostly on Anya Taylor-Joy and with Macy Williams. And probably Charlie because he was on Stranger Things and that was getting, you know, started at that time. Uh, so then you have to cast almost an unknown as like your lead, which yeah. kind of sucks because you're putting everything you have exposition wise and everything plot wise on that main person, mm-hmm. on that person who is in this case their first acting, you know, credit. For a big major movie, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be a blockbuster. I put that in quotes. Um, so there's nothing to latch on to, like you said. But um, And I didn't really understand what it was that they were trying to do with her. Like, they were trying to make her, like, more powerful than she was. Her The powers <laughs> were not very... They didn't uh, explain the powers very no, well. No, not movie. at all. Nobody's powers were explained. You just had no. to kind of like, oh, I guess this guy can turn into a ball of flame. Oh, this girl can do this. Um, and for her, hers was super obscure. I'm sorry. That was a very obscure superpower. I, have again, have never read the comics, don't know these mutants, and so this was my first go around at seeing these characters on screen and like Mirage, it was tough, <laughs> tough to figure out. And then once it kind of becomes clear, you're like, Ugh. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Once it becomes clear, but yeah. it becomes clear a little too late. It does. And uh, it feels like you have to have a working knowledge of the comic books to understand who you're watching on screen. Mm. which, I mean, I get it, it's a comic book movie, but that doesn't mean that everybody is reading the comics for these lesser-known characters. Right. So, you know, someone like, and we'll stick with mutants, just for example, like, people know who Wolverine is, people knew who Storm is, Cyclops. Cyclops, yeah. Even before the first movie in 2000 came out, People knew about those characters, right. even if they didn't read the comics. Professor X, you know what Professor he does. X. Yeah, yeah, mind control. Like yeah. you Done. know, uh, you have a working knowledge of what's happening or who is in this story. This movie, no, not you at don't, all. You <laughs> need to have a working knowledge coming into the movie so you understand who is what character and yeah. what they can do. And like, because just to give a, an example of inside this movie, there was a point where they introduced, um, Maisie Williams's character. Yeah. She's in, looks like a human that, and then at some point you just see this wolf running around and watching our main character, Danielle Moonstar. And I had no idea. I was like, Oh, okay. There's like a wolf on the property. Not that yeah, that, was not that was Maisie Williams's Wolfsbane. Right. Had no idea. Had no idea either. So, wow. you know, that was tough because then later on she finally changes and you're like, oh, like for me, it was like a, oh, shit. Like I missed that like from before that she was following Danielle Moonstar and was like watching her and and. It, you know, was using her ability and I had no idea. So, yeah, that's I, just an example for me. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the controversy now or do you want to save it for spoilers? Let's save it for spoilers because I feel like it has to do a lot with okay. spoilers. No problem. Okay. Uh, what is your score for this movie going into spoilers? I was pretty generous because it felt like the first half of the movie was pretty good. And then mm-hmm. it fell apart in the last half. So I gave it right. three out of five stars. Wow, that that is generous. It's um, generous, yeah. Um, because I settled on a two. <laughs> be- yeah, because <laughs> of the fact that this movie just is, like, it just does not start properly. And then... Okay when it tries to get itself going it doesn't get there fast enough and then it falls apart (laughs) so that's why i gave it a two so that's our scores so with that said let's go ahead and let's move into spoilers right after this 
The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? Alright, so now let's go ahead and jump into spoilers for the new mutants. Uh, let's break this down. Let's, let's break it do apart it. Yes. and do everything. So do you, I mentioned it before. I think we need to talk about it now. Uh, this movie is surrounded in controversy, not only because of, you know, delayed production and rewrites and being shelved and everything, but there's things that happen in the movie or around the movie that lead to even more controversy. Yes. So let's start <laughs> with one of the first things in the movie and it's about our main character, Moonstar. Her last name is Moonstar. Uh, she is a Native American in the movie. And yes. she is constantly, throughout the movie, uh, just facing insults about her Native American yeah, heritage. Racist insults. Yeah, racist insults throughout by from, isn't it Ileana. From, yes, I was going to say. Anya Taylor-Joy's yeah. character. Anya Taylor-Joy's Ileana. Yeah. And so that alone just had a lot of different things i was okay just, so here's my thing is that yeah. assholes are gonna be assholes and if you have a racist character in a movie i think it's a character flaw like that's that's all it is however there was no like learning point like a point in the movie where iliana is like no longer like racist openly racist towards right danielle moonstar and i think that's problematic as well as just like casually like being racist to her like right, just cancel yeah just like throwing a an insult about like did she say something about like teepees or about yeah her? it was yeah, like she, she like, was calling her pocahontas and yeah. um I, there was a lot actually like, i can't remember all of the zingers but you know it was uncomfortable i think for a lot of people mostly because like i think mutants stand for like different is good like different is awesome um you should be free to be yourself and then this character is not accepting like a native american character into their group and it's not even like she has like the perfect life <laughs> either like right. she's like has a casting stones freaking, in a glass house exactly it's like ridiculous that iliana magic or whatever she also has like a puppet a purple yeah. dragon puppet that she speaks to and speaks back to her so it's like okay if you're gonna make fun of her for being native american something she can't change how about let's talk about your puppet <laughs> <laughs> and something that you can change through obvious therapy like so so i will like, say you mentioned this and the mutants have always stood for the marginalized correct they are always it's been an allegory for um either the the civil rights movement at mm -hmm. a time uh for people who have been cast out of society or who feel like outcasts in society right um the mutants have always stood for that in in an allegory for for our times so the fact that the actual characters themselves are treating one of their own characters yeah. in a racist tone kind of sucks kind of sucks and then your point this character doesn't learn or doesn't no. change the attitude it just gets to the climax of the movie and she just unleashes her powers to help defeat what is <laughs> the giant bear monster demon monster we will talk about that bear. too guys we'll talk about it but um so it kind of sucks that she doesn't really learn from that like her attitude is just the same at the end as it is at the beginning except that they worked together in that final fight and that's it right so are they friends yes. no <laughs> no they're not friends no does iliana feel differently about Danielle Moonstar's heritage? No, I don't think no, she does. Because, like, yeah, she she didn't she made no effort, or the writers made no effort to make that character actually 
come to terms with that. Right. And a part of me is like really kind of like upset about it because I feel like it was really overt in the movie. And it, of mm-hmm. course, racism is wrong. On the other hand, again, like if you have a mean character and they're racist, I, that's part of the character. I don't know what else to tell you. Like Anya Taylor Joy is probably not a racist of real life. Like, no, I, I, you know, I, it's a, it's a role. It's, it's a, it's a role. Yeah. It's a character. But, but at the same time, you know, if this is a character we're supposed to be rooting for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it does not help <laughs> when they are in direct conflict with another character you're supposed to be rooting for. Right. Like the this main is supposed character. to be a team of characters you're supposed to root for. Right. Together. And again, and we will never see another no new mutants movie with these characters and these actors. No, we won't. And so if there was ever a blueprint for fixing this issue, it'll never manifest. Like this is the only movie we're going to get. So it's all the more compounded by like, you're never going to get to see these kids like again. <laughs> exactly. Now this isn't the only racial issue that this movie gets surrounded with. No. Uh, so, in casting, uh, Sunspot, who is played by Henry Zaga in the movie, uh, that character is supposed to be an Afro-Brazilian descent. Yeah. If you look at Henry Zaga, he looks nothing like no. an Afro-Brazilian <laughs> descent. Um, he is just Brazilian. Uh, so Plain old look, Brazilian. <laughs> diversity is there because you do have a Brazilian you actor You do have a relatively a unknown Yes. Brazilian actor. Right. But the thing is that in the comics, Roberto da Costa, a.k.a. Sunspot, is a Brazilian mutant with an Afro-Brazilian father and a white mother. And the character's origin story includes being victim of racial attacks that activate his mutant abilities. So it's part of his His backstory backstory. and the reason why he changes well why his mutant abilities are activated it's because he had this racial attack yeah on racial him attack because on he's him, black so he, yeah right, half black much. or whatever yeah yes exactly so what does director josh boone have to say about this casting okay here's a quote from josh boone he says um, I saw every shade uh, of the sun. It was the same case with Blue Hunt. It's like we looked at 300 Native American people and people with very close ties to the Native American community. My goal was to find the best actor who, because they've done so little work, was at least the closest to uh, kind of what I saw in my head for the character. There was nobody who held a candle to Henry. It's like maybe if Henry didn't exist, I would have found somebody who was darker skinned, who exemplified what I needed, but it was never about the color of their skin for me. I didn't care so much about the racism I've heard about in Brazil, about light skinned versus dark skinned. To me, it was, I wanted to represent Brazil in a positive way. And I wanted to find somebody who seems like he could look like a guy who's had the silver spoon in his mouth, who has like a really rich dad and Henry just exemplified all these things. So real quick, let's, let's break talk this down. <laughs> number one, this seems very tone deaf. Yes. In terms of like, for example, when he says, um, I didn't care so much about the racism I've heard about in Brazil about light skin versus dark skin. Okay. He actually said that it's not something that we can take out of context. He actually right. said, I didn't care so much about the racism. Right. So first off, he's changing the character's nature. Number one, from how it was created. Right. And if you're taking liberties, they're fine. That's up to you. If you want to take liberties with how a character is interpreted, We've seen different changes happen in different superhero movies. Absolutely. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. How do I say this? I'm not opposed to him making changes to the character because at the end of the day, this is his interpretation. And we will always have the comics, which are Bible. And, you know, this is just his vision. However, the quote, (laughs) the fact that he's so strident about it. Yes is like problematic is problematic yeah because he, he's like i don't care about yeah the like the history in, that's there 
basically in his mind, he didn't care about that in the character. Right. That the fact that that's where it stems his power is because the character gets attacked racially and so he gets hot. Yeah. And, you know, he turns into a a sunspot. Right, exactly. So he, he actually said, I didn't care about that because in my head, the vision of the character was more of a rich kid with a rich dad who had a silver spoon in his mouth. So that's the other thing I feel that's problematic is that, you know, he cho- not that Henry Zaga is white. He's I don't think right. he's white at all. He's tan. I feel like he's he just tan. tan. Trienio, yeah. as we would say in Spanish, yes, is <laughs> that Daniel Boone, uh, Josh Boone, was like, the lighter skinned to me represented a guy who's had the silver spoon in his mouth who could pass for having a really rich dad and, you know, represented Brazil in a positive way, which is a direct quote. Right. So what do you think? Yeah. Like that is not okay. Um, No, none of that is okay. Uh, That is a terrible thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) And I can't believe he actually said it. Right. It's it's a bad look for him as a director, him as a person, just to and as a creative vision um, to be able to say those things and actually like give voice to the fact that the positive view of a Brazilian would be the light skinned kid. And we take we're saying light skinned. Relatively, right. he's Relative not white. To, he's right, just exactly. Tan- but if we're talking about Brazilian culture, correct. You have the light skin and the dark skin, yes. and there's actual tension there. Yeah, but there's a in caste his system, eyes, right? And so, in his eyes, he is giving credence to the light skinned being better, in, better, pretty yeah. much. There's no other term for it, and so that is. I mean, there's nothing else to say, but that is shitty as hell. People like, were saying is, that he was whitewashed. Yeah, like if you take the original character, yes, he is whitewashed. And on top of that, the director gave credence as to why he whitewashed (laughs) him. So, yeah, so that is terrible. Which I didn't know going into the movie. I didn't give a shit, you know, that Henry Zaga was tan, lighter, darker. Like, I don't care. It was only afterward that I found out the controversy and the quote, which is super damning. Yeah, it's it's completely damning. So this is not the only controversy that we need to talk about. If we, you know, if we continue here, we can be here all night. Yeah, we could sit on this the whole episode. I know. So here's the last bit of controversy. So co-creator of the comic, Bob McCloud, had some choice words about the movie. Here's his quote. But then I was disappointed when they didn't give Danny braids, although I like Blue Hunt. He continued by saying, I was disappointed when Rain wasn't a redhead with spiky hair, although I adore Maisie Williams. I was disappointed that Sam isn't tall and gawky, although I do like Charlie Heaton. But mainly I was very disappointed that Roberto isn't short and dark skin. Yet another example of Hollywood whitewashing. There's just no excuse. He continues to say, so basically Josh Boone erased everything I contributed to the way the characters look, he noted. And now the movie has come out at last and apparently they've credited someone named Bob McCloud, misspelled, as a co-creator. <laughs> they couldn't even get be bothered to check the spelling of my name sometime in the last three Oof. years and that can't be fixed. That will be on the movie forever. I think I'm done with this movie. Yeah, so he basically was like, they did away with my vision the blueprint for the characters. Yep. They whitewashed Roberto and they misspelled my freaking name. <laughs> wow. That that takes some balls. That takes like, a lot of balls to just... The name thing is killer. Yeah, the name is... Re- like, how do you get that name wrong? Like, <laughs> it's a co-creator. Especially since he's the co-creator of the comic. Yeah. That that takes some guts to do that as a studio, as a production company. Uh, it's it's pretty bad. It, it's and he gives he actually gives voice to what Josh Boone did. 
by saying that he typical another example of Hollywood whitewashing. Right. Like he he voiced what Josh Boone. Yeah, did. he called him out. For he sure. called him out for it. Yeah. So yeah, this this movie has a lot of issues. A lot of issues. So let's try. Let's to go talk back to maybe positives. like plot. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. All right. So we're okay. Let's talk about what the plot or the story is supposed to be. Okay. So these characters are in a hospital with a with actual a single doctor, single doctor, yeah, who is placed by Alice Braga, yeah, uh, and. They're there for testing, and they keep being told that if they they get better, they can get out. Yeah, they can get out and move on to the next step of yeah. their program. And some of them optimistically think that they'll be drafted, basically, into the X Men. Into the X-Men. if they get through their treatment program, because they, yeah, they all make have a reference to it. some sort of issue that they're dealing with mentally. It's right. almost like rehab. Like they went to rehab, pretty much for mutants. Um, at least that's what the movie would have you believe have you believe at the beginning mm-hmm. is that this this doctor is there to help them unlock and control their powers mm-hmm. um as the movie goes along uh we start to get some interference with the different characters like they start seeing things they start experiencing things things, and you think that they might be hallucinating or having these intense delusions or something like that um it turns out that they're not making it all up in their head. They are indeed having crazy, fearsome manifestations of their worst fears, of their yes. most guilty moments, where usually their powers like were out of their control and they hurt the people that they loved. Right. Which is exactly. kind of like we got, what, five different origin stories. Pretty much in one movie. In one movie, because it's always like a painful memory of theirs the first time they they use their powers or got their powers. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, we get that throughout. Again, it's very uh, incomplete because some of these, I don't even want to say flashbacks because they kind of like, it kind of meshes into their reality, whatever memory they have that kind of manifests. They don't really show the moment that they go haywire. No, they don't. They tease the moments. They that tease happens. a lot of the moments and a lot of the violence that they're supposedly have inflicted on others. And so I think that's a part of the movie that's looking back. It's a flaw. Yes. Um, because again, we were saying before that how the cinematography was really dark, really spooky, you know, the hospital has that like, you know, death hospital vibe. It's dark. Right, because it kind of looks almost like there's a, flickering lights, like, you know, right, that it's kind like of a deal. psychiatric war. It looks almost, like a freaking like insane it. asylum. Yes, it does. It looks like Shutter Island, I swear. Yeah. And That's a good example. they don't really pull the trigger on any of the horror that could no. go along with these manifestations. We don't know why they're having these, what you think are hallucinations. Um, you know, the furthest I think we got was maybe like sunspots where, you know, Roberto is in the pool and he thinks he's in the pool with um, magic. Anya Taylor-Joy's character, it ends up being she's not in there, which is like a big like twist that she was never there and then he has um what is it his girlfriend who's completely charred like this body is terrorizing him and he's like flame on he like turns on his sunspot and that is like that scene with the roasted girlfriend coming back and haunting him was probably the most horror that it got i feel um there's i think another thing that really is very like pulls you out of the movie because it's so unexpected and it's very (laughs) distinct and it's it's scary to look at and it's um iliana's visions well that comes later that it comes later but they do tease it yeah because they there is a moment where iliana is having a moment where she's flashing back to her younger self in bed with 
her purple dragon, dragon puppet puppet doll and out of nowhere this like slender man it's a slender man like pretty copycat much figure yeah. like comes with a happy hovers, face mask yeah with a happy face mask and it turns towards them and like the the camera like sees that very elongated happy face on this weird faced Slenderman. it can't be human it, like it's no it can't inhuman. be human it's inhuman and uh it's never explained uh, like to me i still don't know what the hell happened to her as a child no i don't i don't know what that was i don't know what plane of ex- existence she was on if she was terrorized by aliens if she was raped i have no idea they just made her cry like they made her cry that was her thing she's like they made me cry and they liked it Right. Whatever those exactly. things were, the happy face men, Slenderman. Whatever, whatever that means. I, I don't know what that means, but uh, she's not the only one that had a traumatic experience when they were younger. We're, there's also Rain Sinclair by uh, Macy Williams' character. Yeah. Uh, she is a heavily uh, uh, religious character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She had a Catholic upbringing. And apparently with her uh, transformative power when she was younger, a priest... Um, not only called her a witch, but also marked her. Yeah, branded uh, her. Branded her um, with a W on her shoulder, just over her shoulder. Yeah. Uh, so that's another traumatic experience that we actually kind of get to see in the movie. I, I did enjoy this moment where all of them are having their traumatic experiences at the same time, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So Macy is in like the communal shower and then, like, it starts to steam, and then that priest comes in. Oh, like, yeah. with the scarred face uh, that yeah, you can tell she, it was she. It, it she scratched him. him. Yeah. Yeah, as, as a wolf. Uh, you have magic going through everything she's going through with the Slender Man. You have Roberto with the image, or not even the image, but, like, the charred girlfriend in yeah. the pool with him. And then on top of that, you have Cannonball, or, you know, Samuel Guthrie, he is in the middle of a mine with all the workers that he worked with alongside his dad. Yeah. And he's basically envisioning all the people that he killed when he went out of control mm-hmm. as Cannonball. Yeah. So I thought that entire moment was That was a nice cool. overlap between them. Yes. And that kind of happened maybe, what, halfway through the movie? Yeah, pretty much halfway through the movie. So with all those characters, I think that there's there's there was potential that's what i'm saying the first half was building it was building towards something and you're expecting a huge climax a moment where you're like truly like oh my god they leaned in to the horror aspect and i'm feeling the heat you know yes and it, it never got that like after these things happen in the movie it doesn't deliver on any of these promises that like okay these t's these teases are going to become real and you're going to experience, you know, a true scary moment or something like that, because those are really uncomfortable. Yes. Yes, they are. And again, some of the visuals were, were heading in that direction. It was scary. Yes. Also agree with that. So, um, but (laughs) the movie's ending, um, has to do with Danielle Moonstar's power, which the reason why all these things are happening to these kids are having these almost like nightmarish delusions. And it was not a a nightmare, not a delusion. It was really happening to them. And it had to do with Mirage and her power. Her power apparently is to make your greatest fear manifest in real life and make you relive basically your worst fear, worst moment until you die, until it kills you. Until it kills you. Which again, I'm kind of like shooting in the dark. I'm guessing that's what it is. I haven't looked up her power. It kind of feels that way because the movie does center around not only testing her, but at a certain point, the doctor who we find out is working for a corporation Mm -hmm. to kind of test these mutants um, basically tells her to kill Moonstar because her power is too great or too uncontrollable 
that it could be used for not the intended per- uh, you purpose, know, the yeah. intended purpose that they want to do. Right. Which, by the way, uh, if we could really quick say, so this is the Essex Corporation. Mm-hmm. And so if that might seem familiar, it's because this is the same corporation that was in the movie Logan. And we even saw footage yes, of the movie did. Logan where we saw it when in the movie Logan when Wolverine was learning about this facility about uh, full of kids that are being used to be trained as weapons. That footage, that same footage is what is being used in this movie to kind of let us know that this is the corporation that is trying to find weaponize out. Weaponize the children mutants. Exactly. Weaponize these mutants. So that's when the kids in this movie find out. And they begin to rebel against that. Mm-hmm. So they hunt down the doctor before she gets a chance to kill Moonstar. Um, you know, so she and the way she <laughs> dies, it's funny because the doctor okay. does have her own power. She does. It's like a force field. Yeah, she can throw deal. a force field. She's been she's been using a force field around the entire to keep facility them in the whole to time. To keep them in. So yeah. they can't leave. And then on top of that, she can use the force field to control like individually them right the characters so now comes pretty much the climax of the movie <laughs> built up to this this is we're hoping like this is where they finally the third act is gonna deliver no <laughs> they don't they don't deliver because and it's mentioned earlier on yes moonstar has her own fear yes when she was growing up her dad told her a story uh, about their heritage that says that in your in, in everyone there's two in everybody bears there's two bears uh, a good bear and a bad bear um yep. one is basically all things good and the other one is full of uh fear um shame and one other thing i forgot um yeah, that's uh, fear shame and one other thing but like bad things bad things and uh, the father is, said, oh, do you want to continue? Go for no, it. No, no, go ahead. Well, the father was basically like, you know, whichever one you feed is the one that controls you. Exactly. So she, her greatest fear is a giant bear, a demon bear that is eating and ravaging its way through everything, everyone, um, which is what killed her dad and everyone on the reservation at the beginning of the movie. Her own nightmare, her own fear spun out of control because her superpower works against everyone and on her. Yes. Also works on her. So we find that out at the end of the movie because the doctor um, gets eaten by the bear. (laughs) (laughs) um so a giant bear comes and snaps up the force field doctor yep and then they have to fight like the kids have to fight against this bear while danielle is unconscious she can't help them she can't like try and like deal with the bear i don't don't know so um that's why we say it like the third act kind of soured the whole movie because the big bad is Danny, but her fear is kind of like stupid. <laughs> it Yeah. It's like, stupid. first of all, that her power works against her as well. Yeah. That's not very good. It's weird. It's not very good. No, that's not a good power to have at all. No. The fact that you could use it against yourself or it can manifest against you. Yeah. Against yourself. Uh, that kind of sucks. And then let's get to the part where I think we kind of like just lost it or <laughs> we gave up on the movie. The finale, they're fighting the bear. She comes into consciousness, Moonstar. Yeah. And she is able to get control of the bear. How? <laughs> By basically using a technique that they did earlier in the movie yes during their therapy session exactly they were breathing in and out and saying control (laughs) control so basically so she wakes up says stop the bear stops what it's doing and she says like i'm in charge now control and like 
in those few words, the bear kind of gets docile and then dissipates in like a steam or whatever. Yes. Cloud. Mist. So... It yeah. sucks. It yeah, sucks so much. Um, thank you. Yeah, this, <laughs> that, that's the problem with this movie. It ends on a dud. It ends the on way- a dud because you wish that the the big villain is like better and then the bear is her own making of her own making. So like it it is a really big message that like you can't let your fears control you and you can't um let them become bigger than you you have to like work at it and stay stronger than your worst nightmares whatever so it's kind of preachy in that way a little bit yes and then you know for all of the other characters it's the same thing like they have to rise above their past and you know forge a new life forgive themselves like all of this is like wrapped up into this really overt like you can't feed the bad bear you have to feed the good bear like it's very childish a childish way of overcoming and also feeding this idea of like you know there's good and evil and whatever you feed in yourself is what will grow and manifest itself uh it's oversimplistic the way yes. it like deals with it like basically she has to overcome her fear and she just basically on this you know at the drop of a hat basically <laughs> says you know what i'm not afraid of it anymore that's basically what happens like yeah. she just doesn't she's not afraid anymore just like because the plot needs this to end <gasps> oh my god you know what this reminds me of um it chapter 2 mm yes when okay. you know it becomes a giant spider yeah. <laughs> with a clown and it's just massive and killing people and they're like we're not afraid of you anymore and you don't have any power over us and talking it down yeah into like a little baby clown that's basically what she did with the demonic giant bear yeah. thing um that's pretty much it's the same thing and you know what it's the same complaint like you did it. You promised us a lot of horror, a lot of scare, a lot of, um, you know, depth. And, you know, it was very preachy and um, simplistic and not very good. Not very good. It's just a little uh, bit of a. Eh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before we get out of here. So I want to talk about two other things. Go ahead. So. Like, juxtaposing the really simplistic ending with, like, it's up to you to, like, overcome and, you know, stop being afraid of the things that, you know, all that stuff. Is, like, earlier in the movie, she was ready to commit suicide. Yes, she was. Because her she wanted to be reunited with her family, which was her, her in her Native American culture, that's what she believed. And so it was a very, like, emotional, like, she's going to... She realizes where she is. She can't get out of the facility and she's just gonna like kill herself. And literally, um, rain talks her off the ledge. Yeah. Early on in the movie. Yeah. And it's a very, um, establishing thing between them because second thing I wanted to talk about was they had a lesbian relationship and that was like the core love story in the movie, you know, I consider this movie kind of like YA, like young yeah, a adult. Bit. It kind of feels it feels like that, that way. Yeah. And you know, rather than having a hetero relationship thrown in for good measure, they had a same sex one, and that was really commendable. And I thought it was really believable. Yeah, because they leaned into it. Like they didn't, they didn't treat it as you know, like a novelty. No, no. Uh, like, like if it's like. Whoa, are are they trying to imply that? No, there was no like if maybe will they won't they? It's like no, no, they are into each other and that's it. Like they they had feelings for each other. They found they had a connection. Um and so like amidst all this really good stuff and interesting character dynamics, 
you had like the freaking bear at the end right control <laughs> you're right so it's like uh, no like some, you missed it some very good pieces of material to chew on and then just bland crap yeah so yeah it was very weird how they would mix like these plot lines or these you know story beats around each other you know and like i said you could see the kernels of like good things here Mm -hmm. and there yeah uh like here's an example i honestly iliana's character yeah although not a very you know very approachable character or even a character you want to root for (laughs) but once she actually turns on her superpowers yeah, it be, it's a very interesting power. Like she can turn her arm basically into like a blade almost, and she can like think disappear. of like a Winter Soldier kind of almost like Winter Soldier. Yeah. Like her arm becomes like like it looks like a arm, like a metal scaly kind of. Yeah, and then on top of that, she has a blade. Yeah. that she carries, like or something else. Like it can like turn a, into whatever she, weapon she wanted. Pretty like much. it was usually a blade, but then it was also like a spear at one point. Like it was anything she wanted i think anything she wanted and then she could like bounce in and out of like this world that she created with that was her weird dragon Th- that was dumb puppet so that was okay not explained not no. really explored at all no it's kind not. of a throwaway line where she was like oh i just we made it we meaning her and her little dragon puppet made this world and so it's her own imaginary world that she can literally go in and out of like another dimension. Yes. And so that's utilized in the final fight yeah. where she's bouncing in and out of her safe space. <laughs> exactly. Um, fighting the bear. And the other thing <laughs> that I think you didn't, you didn't mention was the, the puppet, the oh, dragon yeah. in the final fight they kind of pan up to her she's ready to go and then she what's the name of the dragon do you remember it was um oh that's a great question Um, i I forgot me too Uh, i'll look it up while you're but uh, anyway they pan up and you think that it's going to be she says are you ready something whatever the dragon's name is and lo and behold the dragon is alive and well like an actual little baby dragon on her shoulder instead of a puppet and so that's not explained either like in her mind the the dragon is real the dragon called lockheed lockheed yes is real um but it's unclear if like she can actually bring him to life or if it's just in her mind the dragon is real and can help her and is her little mascot in battle and stuff so i think that everyone was expecting if the dragon (laughs) was going to be real at some point in the movie then it should have been this huge dragon it was this tiny little like shoulder dragon and i think we were all a little disappointed when we were like oh the dragon's real and it's still tiny (laughs) exactly uh, so after all of that, this movie just, it, it doesn't really work that well because of so many things at the same time, mm-hmm. bad third act doesn't commit to like full, like entrenched ideas of either horror or superhero or, you know, tossing other things aside or not explaining things. Mm-hmm. And then throw in the fact that this is a property that is dead on arrival. On top of that, I can understand why people either are not excited to see it or don't really care or (laughs) just, you know, are kind of throwing their hands at like, wow, we're finally going to get this movie and nobody really cares. Um, I've I've even (laughs) seen people say that this is the worst X-Men movie. I don't think so <laughs> i mean there's there's a race for it for sure for sure uh but like you still have x-men origins wolverine out there that's still there 
Uh, I think Apocalypse is really bad. I think that Dark Phoenix, Dark Phoenix over time has gotten worse when I think about it. So, yeah. So is it the worst movie? Maybe in the mutant universe, but it, it has competition. So it's not just like flat out like this is the worst thing. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I just wish I would that never it rewatch done. it. Oh, funny thing that you mentioned Shutter Island. Oh, God. <laughs> because the film actually in preparation and everything, the location scouting, uh, they used part of the filming location from Shutter Island <laughs> for this movie, the Medfield State Hospital. There it is. There it is. There so it that's is. why it kind of seems a little familiar. It's because they use this in a different movie. Damn. Part of it, at least. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, this movie. Yeah, I wish I could say anything else, but like this movie just it came and it went. Yeah, this that's feels like happen. February. January. Yes, <laughs> this feels like a January, February release that somehow because of everything going on. Yeah. Got released now. Hell, this movie was supposed to release in a normal time schedule back in April. Oh, like, wow. They were, that's a, oof. That's not that's even. That's like leading into summer. No. Like, ooh, no. That's very optimistic. That's very optimistic for sure. So any last words about the new mutants before we say goodbye to them? Now nah, let's, let's call it. Let's, mm, yeah, bye. Yep. Uh, so time of death. <laughs> 10:22 p.m. on August 30th. Oh. And that is our thoughts on the new mutants. <laughs> so with that said, that has been our show. And a new review. Yeah. So so exciting. So thank you for joining us. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always a Critic podcast. Yeah.